remember dominion. Say it with me. Remember dominion. Everybody say, I have dominion. I have the spirit of the Lord's dominion. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at somebody and say you like their face, and then you can be seated. Focus, focus is an interesting thing. It's a two-edged sword, focus. By nature, it's a two-edged sword. I'm going to start with uh, an awareness test, all right? And in just a minute, I'm going to show you a video. What I want you to do is going to be two basketball teams on the video. And one of them is going to be passing the ball. Uh, team in the white uniform is going to be passing the ball, and I want you to see how well you can focus and tell me how many passes are made uh, by the team in the white uniforms, how many times the ball is passed by the team in the white uniforms. Go ahead and play the video. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? Thirteen is the correct answer. Um, what about the moonwalking bear? Why are you looking at me like that? You didn't see the moonwalking bear? All right, watch the video again. We're going to play in a second. Don't worry about the basketball. Just look at the whole screen and tell me if you don't see a fly moonwalking bear. Go ahead, play it. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? Moonwalk. The passing of the ball was happening. It was real. But when you focused on it, it's easy to miss what else is happening that's real in the same picture. Our nation has been focused on the coronavirus for the last three months. And while we've been focused on it, wonder how many moonwalking bears we've missed. Then you have the satanic scourge of racism, division, and hate. Now, all police officers are not evil. That's ignorant. But there are some that because of their prejudice, prejudging people based off of the color of their skin, and because of deep intrinsic hate. They've committed murders. 
unjustly. And to think that what I just said is not true, well, that's ignorant too. It's not a rumor. We've seen it. Played out on video screens. Captured live video. Uh, we've had to view their deeds and the result of hate and injustice. And it's hard not to focus on it. But again, the nature of focus is whenever you focus on something, you miss all the moonwalking bears. The nature of focus is whatever you focus on causes you to lose sight of the periphery. So we got viruses, we got injustice, we got economic, the worst economic depression or since the Great Depression. And then you got personal problems. And I wonder, with all that is against us, have we lost sight of the one who's for us? Have we missed the moonwalking bears of his goodness and his faithfulness to us while we've been focused on the affliction and the attacks from the enemy? All we've heard for three months is the turmoil that we're all going through. But I bet you if you add it up, now I ain't talking about anybody else. God hadn't called me to the nation. I'm talking to you, the people he's given me the authority to speak to. I bet you if you added up over the last three months in your life, turmoil after turmoil, peril after peril, difficulty, threat after threat after threat, I bet you if you do an accounting and you do a reckoning, I bet you you'll look at all that's been against you and you'll look at the way you've been blessed and find out that God has been good to you. I want to encourage you to do an accounting and to reckon how you've been fought versus how you've been favored. I want you to reckon how you've been afflicted versus how you've been blessed. I want you to reckon how you've been persecuted versus how you have been covered. And I bet you come to the conclusion that during one of the worst years in the last memorable decades that God has still been faithful to you, been kind to you, been a shield of defense around you, kept a hedge around your family, kept a hedge around around your money. I bet you you've had food on the table and a roof over your head. I bet you got a job. I bet you got a purpose. I bet you got something pushing you forward. I bet you God's been better to you than how you've thanked him. I bet you God's been better to you than how you've praised him. I bet you God's been more kind to you than how your conversation revealed. I bet you he's been good. And I know that now they're saying the second wave of the virus is coming. It's here. More shutdowns, more difficulty. Get ready to go back on lockdown. Get ready to go back. And, and I'll say to the second wave what I said to the first wave. 
If you ain't been paying attention, I ain't changed my message. Psalm 91.10, no evil shall befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwell. Pastor, what about all the people getting sick? I ain't talking about them. I'm talking about you. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep in all your ways. And to those of you aching from the cold blade of oppression rendered against your people, if I may be so bold, to remind you, the Bible still says that if God be for you, he's more than the world against you. I don't care what system, and it is systemic, it is a system, but I don't care what system is against you. If God is for you, he'll bless you in the face of people that were hoping you wouldn't get raised up. He'll favor you in the face of people who were trying to keep you pushed down. If God is for you, he'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And I say this because I know some of your stories. Some of you know what it's like to be in an environment that hates you, to be in an environment that is unfair and yet in spite of it, have God raise you all the way up. God be for you. He's more. Have you ever been blessed anyway? Everybody can't say that. Have you ever been blessed anyway? Have you ever just stopped and, and looked back over your life and realized that the truth of the matter is all of your life you've had to fight, all of your life you've had struggles, all of your life you've had difficulties, but you look over the last few years of your life and you start noticing an interesting trend that when people said no and when people stood in the way and when problems and difficulties threatened to choke you out of your life, somehow God came in and made a way for you and made it possible for you to do what people said you would never be able to do is there any people that know what it's like to be blessed anyway yeah. truth is God's been so good to us we could come in here every Sunday not preach not sing do anything just tear the church up with praise and thanksgiving for his goodness but we don't why? We're watching the ball. We missed all the moonwalking bears. Now, if you're just tuning in and you heard me mention the ball and the moonwalking bears, you're lost. <laughs> Don't have time to go back over it. But what are you missing in your life? What are you missing in your marriage? What are you missing with your children? What are you missing in how you're walking life out? What's taking your focus? What ball are you watching? 
being passed around that's causing you to miss the Milwaukee Bears. Peter wrote to a church he had leadership over, and he said, the translation says it like this, he said, I'm not ashamed to remind you of what I told you before. And I came not to preach a new message to you, I came to remind you something I've told you before. God gave us a word as a church. I ain't talking about everybody else. I'm talking about you. God gave us a word as a church in the beginning of the year concerning dominion. Seems like forever ago, doesn't it? But God gave us a word in the beginning of the year concerning dominion. And God gave us that word in January, knowing what was coming in March, April, May, and June. God was not surprised by the attacks that have come against us. God was not shocked by the things that erupted and exploded. In fact, God gave us that word as a buttress, as a fence, as a defense around what would happen. And many of us have seen that word come to pass in our lives through this. But I feel like we kind of got our eye on the ball and we're missing the bear. I feel like we've kind of got off of our focus for the year and the theme of the year. And so I've simply come to remind you that when most people think of Christianity, they think of the salvation of their sins. They think of the afterlife. They think of the blood of Jesus on the cross. But they got their eye on the ball and they're missing the bear. There's something else in the picture. Jesus did not just die to save your sins and forgive you of your wrongs and secure your afterlife. He also died so that the spirit of the Lord Jesus' dominion could be living, can be acting within you. You have access to dominion by faith, by faith, because of grace. You have access to the spirit of the Lord's dominion. And I don't want to see anyone in our church be dominated by anything in this world. You are not to be dominated and ruled by any system or any spirit in this world other than the Holy Ghost of God. You have dominion in your life. You have dominion in your family. You have dominion in your finances. You have dominion over the evil systems of this world that are trying to destroy lives you have the dominion of God over it raise up your right hand and say I have dominion, I have dominion. say it like this Jesus died, Jesus died. to give me dominion. dominion the text I read you in first John says love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world. How is he? If as he is, so are we. How is he? Jesus, as he ascended into heaven, the scripture, right, Paul writes about it. He says that he has been exalted, that God exalted him, that God raised him up and gave him the name that uh, it's above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow 
Every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is seated positionally in a place of dominion and authority. And then John told you in 1 John, as he is, so are we. So if Jesus has dominion, we have dominion. If Jesus has authority, we have authority. If Jesus wouldn't bow to the attacks of his day, we do not have to bow to the attacks of our day. We have dominion. Faith in Jesus Christ gives you access to the spirit of dominion. Now, dominion is a spirit. It's one of the seven spirits of God. Isaiah called it the spirit of might. Translation says spirit of dominion. Dominion is a spirit. Dominion is a force. Everybody say a force. If you're going to say force, you're going to say it with force. Dominion is a There you go. Dominion is a grace. Dominion is an anointing. And dominion is a blessing from God. Dominion must be taken. You have to take dominion. Dominion must be possessed. And dominion must be lived. Now, dominion must be taken. You take it by faith. The same way you take salvation when you hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You take salvation by faith. You take what Jesus made available and you take it by faith. But then, number two, dominion must be possessed. It's a little different. Taken and then possessing. If I go to the store and I pick out a shirt off the rack and I go and I try it on in the dressing room, I've taken it and I've, I've even put it on. But I haven't possessed it till I go to the register, purchase it, take it home, and I begin to wear it. I make it my own. The message of dominion must become a part of you. It must be possessed. It must be in your mind. It must be in your spirit. It must be in your speech. It must be in all the things that you talk about. You have to see your life through the paradigm, through the lens of I have dominion because of what Jesus has done for me. I will not be dominated by depression because I have dominion over it. I will not be dominated by debt and by lack because Jesus has given me dominion over it. I will not be dominated by the manipulation of other people because Jesus has given me dominion over that. I will not allow my life to go up and down on the roller coaster of whatever's happening in society because Jesus has given me dominion over that. Listen, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. Our God has given us power and authority, not fear and timidity, power and authority. And it's time for the people of God to wise up and to rise up in the dominion that God has granted you by grace. Somebody shout, I have dominion. Spirit of the Lord's dominion. Give God a praise right there for dominion. Dominion must be. Work with me a little bit. Dominion must be. Everybody say, I take dominion. Then it must be possessed. Then and only then can it be lived. Now, every word God gives you will come with a subsequent test. So you get a lot of word about dominion. Here comes a test in your life. 
to see whether or not you will live out what you've been taught. And dominion cannot be proven. It cannot be lived out in the quiet calmness of convenience. It must be proven on the battlefield of adversity. You can't show that you have dominion without a warfare being waged against you. So I want you to take a new perspective into whatever battle you're going home to today. I want you to take a new perspective into whatever attacks that you are facing and are coming against you. Every time something comes against you, it's an opportunity for you to stand up in the dominion Jesus has given you and take authority over it and win that battle. I speak that to you in the name of Jesus. Take authority over this attack and win that battle. Take authority over that giant and watch him fall down. Take authority over that thing that's trying to take authority over you because you have dominion. Somebody shout dominion. Now each of the four gospels have a primary theme. They all tell the story of the birth the life, the ministry, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, but they each in themselves have a primary theme. Matthew, the primary theme is Jesus is king. He takes painstaking time to trace Jesus' genealogy all the way back to David to prove that not only was he the supernatural king as the son of God, but he had a legal right to the throne of Israel as the descendant of David. And Mark... His primary theme is Jesus is a miracle worker. More miracles in Mark than the other Gospels. Then Luke wants you to know that Jesus is Savior. That he has come to seek and save that which was lost. It's only Luke that tells us about God's care for lost things. He does it in three elements. He says there was a lost coin. There was a lost sheep. And there was a lost son. Coin doesn't know it's lost. It has no life in it. Cannot partner in its own recovery. So God takes all the responsibility to sweep the house and find the coin that was lost. Paul said, while we were yet dead in trespasses and sins, no spiritual life in us. Couldn't cry out. Didn't know we were lost. That while we were dead in trespasses and sins, Christ died for the ungodly. He took all the responsibility on himself to seek us out and to save us and put spiritual life down inside of us. You did not find God. God found you. Then there's the parable of the lost sheep. This is a person who has been saved by the shepherd and is following the shepherd. But as they're following, they they strayed off the path and lost their way. You ever lost your way? You ever know the truth, know the word, know the presence of God, but, but you, just, you just get off the path and you just lose, just lose your way. And here, the sheep is alive, has life in it, following the shepherd, knows the shepherd, but when it gets lost, it doesn't have the strength in it. Though it knows it's lost, it doesn't have the strength on its own to get back. But Luke said the good shepherd will leave the 99 and go searching for the one that got lost. And I got to stop and thank him for all the times that he came searching for me. You ever had God search for you? You know, 
you, you was off the road, you was off the path, you knew something was wrong, you didn't quite know how to get it back right, and then God comes in and he deals with you. Presence of God comes in and he convicts you, he begins to pull you. Some of you, you know, you've been pulled to this place this morning because God is searching for that, that lostness. God is searching for, for you. And, and then finally, the lost son. In this case, the father does not search for the son because it's an elevated relationship. There's great intimacy there. The son has a maturity. The son has wisdom. The son, the closest thing to the father. And the son chose to turn his back on the father. The son didn't get lost. He was in his right mind and chose to turn his back on the father and walk away. So in this instance, the father doesn't go seek him out. He, he instead patiently waits for the son to come back because he knows the day the son left, the father knows the son will return. So watch what he does. He's not sitting in judgment waiting to say, I told you so, when the boy returns. Some of you parents need to take some notes on that. He's not, he's not sitting in judgment waiting to say, I told you what it was going to be like out there. No, no, no. Watch what he does. The day the boy leaves, he starts fattening up a calf. The day the boy leaves, he starts feeding an animal, getting the animal ready for the celebration he's going to throw when the boy comes to himself and comes back home. And that's how God is waiting for some of you this morning. Some of you that have turned your back and walked away. God's not waiting in judgment, ready to say, I told you so. He's been waiting for this day for a long time. Waiting in anticipation, waiting in mercy, waiting in love, beckoning and calling for you to come back home. That's what Luke tells us. Luke tells us Jesus is Savior. But then John. John's theme is all about the dominion of Jesus. Starts in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Then in verse 14, he says that same word that has all dominion over creation, that same word that spoke everything into existence, that same word became flesh and dwelt among us. That same word is Jesus. So chapter 1, the word has all dominion. Then in verse 14, Jesus is the word. Then from chapter 2 to chapter 11, John will give seven signs. Of the dominion of Jesus Christ. Number one, Jesus has dominion over death. Oh, hallelujah. Feel that in my bones. Jesus has dominion over death. I can say hallelujah about that because I had a baby that was born brain dead. The tissue in the brain was dead. But because Jesus has dominion over death... The, the brain tissue that was dead came back to life. And I got two, listen, I got two x-rays. One of them shows the, the tissue of the brain that was dead. And then one of them shows the picture of the brain tissue that's alive. And every time I look at it, I'm reminded Jesus has dominion over death. He has dominion over death. He has dominion over death. 
In John chapter 11 is the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus saying, Jesus, the one you love, Lazarus, he's sick. Prophetically, John is revealing that God loves humanity, but humanity is sick. And the sickness of sin leads to death. And Jesus came to deliver us from the dominion of death. That's what had Lazarus. Lazarus was sick. The sickness led to death. Then death had dominion over him in the grave. Jesus comes before the cross, comes to the grave, and speaks the death out of his body. Ooh, hallelujah. He speaks the death out of his body by taking dominion over death itself. He has dominion over death. And that's what he did for your soul and for my soul. Because we were sick with a sickness that leads to death. We were sick on the inside, in the soul. We were sick with the kind of sickness that leads to spiritual death and eternal separation from God. But when you got saved, the reason you got saved is Jesus spoke the death off of you. He spoke the death and untied its dominion off of you. He spoke the death out of you because he has dominion over death. Lift up both your hands and say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Number two from John chapter 9, Jesus has dominion over darkness. John chapter 9 is the story of the man that was born blind. Prophetically, John is revealing that mankind is born spiritually blind. The one miracle Jesus perpetuates more than any other in the scripture is the healing of the blinded eye. Because he came to give sight, to give vision, to give light to a people trapped in the darkness of this world. He also reveals that darkness and obscurity is not in the DNA of the believer. You were not saved and reborn by the Holy Spirit of God so that you could walk around in a foggy darkness and have no vision for your life. That is the lie of the devil. God has made vision and clarity available to you. Stop walking around in circles believing the lies of the enemy. You are a person of vision. You're a person of light. There is no darkness that has any authority to remain anywhere in you. The Bible says if your eye is single, your body will be filled with light, I speak that the light would invade your life in the name of Jesus Christ. He paid too heavy of a price for you to walk around and stumble in darkness. So I speak to every spirit of darkness trying to cloud your vision, and I decree that the light of Jesus will come in the name of Jesus Christ. No darkness will prevail over your mind or your thinking or your emotions. No darkness in your house, no darkness in your relationship, that God would turn on the light in Jesus' name. Somebody say, I receive it. it. Number three, Jesus has dominion over creation. From John chapter six, we see Jesus walking on the water to the disciples while they're in the storm. We see him offer Peter to come out of the boat and walk on the water with him. And prophetically, John is revealing that the water wasn't holding Jesus up. Jesus was holding the water up. (laughs) Hebrews 1, 3, he upholds all things by the word of his power. So his weight wasn't applied to the water when he stepped on it, because it was his weight, his dominion, that was keeping the water holding its molecular structure. Jesus was not walking on the water because it was supporting him. He was supporting what he was walking on. And to be clear, 
Peter and Jesus are not doing the same thing. When Jesus steps out on the water and is walking, it's different than when Peter climbs out of the boat and is walking. Jesus is walking on the water. Peter is walking on the word. When Jesus tells Peter, come to me and walk, the word of Jesus' dominion alone was enough to hold him up in an environment where he should be sinking. Now, don't get, don't get, don't get sensational and focus on walking on the water and think because you have dominion you can go walk on your swimming pool. I'm not talking about that, but think about it. Just think about it for a minute. You've seen it in your life. You've seen the word of God come to you and give you the ability to stand in environments you ought to sink in. Oh, I know you have. You've had the Word of God come to you and give you the ability to stand in a circumstance you know you should have sunk in a long time ago. In fact, some of you are standing up in stuff right now. You should have sunk in a long time ago. And the reason is you're not walking on the water. You're walking on the Word. You messed around and got one word from God in your spirit. You messed around and got faith from the Word of God in your spirit. And you stand but you don't know how you're standing and you're walking but you don't know how you're walking you're walking on the word give God praise in his house give God praise in his house number four Jesus has dominion over scarcity and lack We see this when he feeds 5,000 men. He tells the disciples, go through the entire crowd, find me, find me some raw materials to work with. Find me some, some loaves, something, something to work with. Yeah. And, and they search through 5,000 grown men, no food. But there is a child there that's willing to give his five loaves and his two fish to Jesus prophetically revealing that the raw materials to nourish the past that's still living will be furnished by the future generation that's coming up. In other words, some of the greatest miracles in your life that you will see are going to come from your children. That God will use your children to nourish you when you get to a stage that you don't have any materials left. That God will use your children to bless you. And one of the things that we need to see in this nation, if we're ever going to see true change, we need to see breakthrough and revival ushered into this nation on the shoulders of our children. And I don't care what's going on with your children right now. They may be lost. They may be backwards. They not, may not even be interested in God. But I'm telling you, a revival is coming where God turns the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children back to the mothers and the fathers that God begins to call children he begins to use children he begins to work miracles with children and I came to tell you your children are going to be mighty in the earth oh I feel it in the name of Jesus I ain't talking about everybody else I'm talking to you your children shall be mighty in the earth they have dominion in the name of Jesus. Give God praise if you believe it. Give God praise if you believe it. They bring Jesus a boy with a sack lunch that he's willing to put into the hands of Jesus. 
God is going to take the gifts your children do have. You may not think they're gifted. You may not think they're talented. You may not know what they have in them yet. But God is going to take what they do have in them. And he's going to multiply it to feed the masses. There will be masses of people helped by children in this church that God is raising up. There will be governmental leaders that help the masses come out of this church. There will be people in high places in business and in finance that come out of the children of this church. Jesus uses what the child has and multiplies it to feed the masses. Your children have massive destiny. Massive destiny. And it wasn't a long process. Jesus just took what he had in one moment and in one encounter. I'm prophesying to somebody's life right now. He took what he had in one moment, in one encounter, and then instantly multiplied it. That's what God's going to do with some of your children. It's going to come out of nowhere. It's not like they've been praying and fasting for 40 days and walking around reading the scripture. There's just going to be an encounter in their life with Jesus where they put what they have, what they do have, whatever level they are at, they put it in the hands of Jesus and he touches it and multiplies it and uses it to to feed the hungry in our sick and dying world. That's coming out of your children. Your children will be mighty in the earth. I got to keep saying it. The Holy Ghost is jumping in me. Your children, hallelujah. Your children will be mighty in the earth. Your children will be mighty in the earth. That, that's part of the reason you've been fought so hard in the home. Because the enemy knows that your children will be mighty in the earth. That's part of the reason the enemy has tried to sow so many tares next to their wheat. Because the devil's wise enough to know your children will be mighty in the earth. And right now we send the word to every one of your children wherever they are. We send the word that they are mighty. We send the word that they are powerful. We send the word that they have dominion. We send the word that they are the head and not the tail. That they are above only and not beneath, that they are lenders and not borrowers, that they will not be dominated by anything, anyone, or any system. They will rise up and take dominion in the name of Jesus. I need somebody to give God a praise right there. Hallelujah. 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 The spirit of the Lord's dominion is being released in this place right now. Take it, possess it, and live it. The spirit of the Lord's dominion is being released in this place right now. Take it, possess it, and live it. Number five, Jesus' dominion breaks victim mentalities. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus' dominion breaks victim mentalities. We see this, the pool of Bethesda. Uh, very mysterious thing in the scripture. Once a year around this pool that had five porches, uh, huge crowds of lame and infirmed and sick people would gather around the porches. 
and at a certain season, an angel would come down and trouble the water, and whoever got in first, who was, whoever was positioned the best, got their healing. So Jesus walks up uh, to this man, and this man's been there at the pool for 38 years. But he can't get in because the system was against him. See, the problem is the man had no family left. He was by himself. He had no friends. He had no support structure. And everyone else that came to the pool had an inside man, an inside somebody, somebody that could help them get in. And, and I, I hate people that act like they never had any help. Be careful, Jason. I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I hate people that, that try to act like that the systems of society are not rigged for some and against others. If you can't see it, you're blind as a bat. I hate people that say, nobody helped me out. I pulled myself up by the bootstraps. The man has no one to help him. And the system, the way it's staggered and the way the porches are laid out in his position, it's rigged to where he can't get in the water. Till Jesus walks up. The healing in that place always came from the troubling of the water. That was the system. But Jesus comes up and doesn't mess with the water, doesn't bring an angel down to trouble it. Jesus shows up to say, hey, I know the system's against you. But because I'm here, you don't need the system that's against you in order to get your breakthrough you don't need the structure of a system and you do not need the assistance of another man to help you get what you're seeking for and the reason you don't need it is because now i'm here but when you've been held down a long time Purposefully and strategically. And Jesus comes talking about help. Your natural inclination is to respond back with the practical reasons for why you're where you're at. He tells Jesus, what you're saying is great, but here's the thing. I ain't got nobody to help me. This thing's rigged against me. Jesus looks back at him and says, do you want to be made whole? You better hear me because God is asking some of you that same question right now. Do you want to be made whole? Because if you do, I don't need none of that in order to bless you. Oh, I feel that all over my bones. God said, I don't need 
none of that in order to bless you and to raise you. I don't need none of it. Now, I'm not saying the system wasn't rigged. It was. And I'm not saying that there wasn't injustice to it. But, but here's the thing. The only Christian that does not qualify for dominion is a Christian who maintains and clings to a victim mentality. Listen, listen. I'm not saying that you haven't been victimized. But I am saying that because of who Jesus is and what he has done for you, even though you may have been victimized, you are not a victim. As he is, so are we. As he is, so are we. Jesus was victimized. He was victimized in the judgment hall. It's a grave miscarriage of justice what happened to Jesus. He was victimized on the whipping post. He was victimized on the cross. But after it was all over, he rose above it all. And what I'm saying to you is if that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you, then no matter what has been done against you by the power of the Holy Ghost, you have the ability and the authority to rise above it. In fact, rising above it is in the Christian's DNA. Rising above what you've been through. Rising above what they did to you. Rising above the abuse. Rising above the neglect. Rising above the negative words. Rising above the bankruptcy, rising above the repossession, rising above the pink slip, rising above touch three people say you will rise, you will, you will I feel the Holy Ghost, you will you will you will you will Yes, you will. Yes, you will. You will rise. You will rise. I don't know who I'm preaching to. I said you will rise. I said you will rise. He said. He said. He said. Rise. Take up your bed. And walk. In other words, I'm giving you this one without the system. I'm giving you this one without their approval. I'm giving you this one without the qualifications. I'm giving you this one without the diploma. I'm giving you this one without the experience. I'm giving you this one without the people backing you. I'm giving you this one because I want you to. Christian world, you're getting ready to rise. You're getting ready to rise. You're getting ready to rise. Your family will rise. Your finances will rise. Your business will rise. Your children will rise. Your emotions will rise. Somebody give him a praise if you hear me. You will rise.
It's your season to get up. I don't care who's throwing dirt on you. It's your season to get up. It's your up season. It's your ascending season. It's your rise up season. And the only reason you can do it is 2,000 years ago when they closed the tomb on Jesus, the power of the Holy Ghost overshadowed him. And on the third day, not even death itself had the dominion to hold him down. And he gave us that spirit in Acts chapter 2 and told us everything I did, use my name and go out and do. We will, we will, we will rise. say said rise take up your in other words the man wasn't comfortable laying there on the ground so long so he had to build a system to comfort him while he laid there and the apparatus he used to comfort him while he laid in his affliction was a bed. So Jesus comes along and says, rise, take up the thing you've been laying on to try to make you comfortable in the misery you've been living in. Take up the thing you've been leaning on to try to pacify you during sleepless nights. Take up the thing you've been leaning on for 38 years of your life Roll it up. You're not going to need it anymore. You're not going to need it anymore. You're not going to need that mentality anymore. You're not going to need it anymore. Rise. Take up your bed. And, and do what you hadn't done in 38 years do what you thought you'd never be able to do in this season God is empowering people in this church to do what you didn't think you could to go into places that you didn't think you could to manufacture and invent things that you didn't think you could to write songs and write lyrics that you didn't think you could. To write books and run for office that you didn't think you could. To apply in places where you have no experience and you didn't think you could. Rise, take up your bed. You've been still on that bed of comfort for a long time. And God brought you here today to hear this message. Walk. Move. Start doing something. 
Jesus has empowered you with the dominion to get up and move. Got a lot against you. Move anyway. Got a lot threatening you. Move anyway. Had to cry some tears. But move anyway. Because the spirit of the Lord's dominion is upon you. In the name of Jesus, you must take it. You must possess it. And you must live in dominion as he is. So are we in this earth. As he is, so are we. You are not a victim. You are not less than, and you are not at a disadvantage once you understand the power that works within you. People can be against you. Systems can be against you. But if God is for you, if greater is he, that is in you than he that is in the world. If no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, your God will condemn. Then why are you so focused on the ball? You're missing all the bears. God's been good to you. He saved you. But he also gave you access to the spirit of the Lord's dominion. Lift your hands all over this church. I receive Jesus. I confess Jesus is the son of God. I receive the forgiveness of my sins. I repent of my wondering. Jesus, I will follow you. And I also receive the spirit of the Lord's dominion. I will walk in dominion. I will live in dominion. In the name of Jesus Christ. Give God a great praise all over the church. praying for you this week as I have been that the Lord cause an awareness to come into your life of who and what you are and what you don't have to tolerate and what you don't have to accept because of who Jesus is in your life that it's not some vain religious principle it's forceful power that comes rushing into the earth through people that have the faith to believe it and to receive it I pray it gets all over you. 
One of the things about dominion is it's an anointing. It can be smeared. I pray it just gets smeared all over you. That you leave this place walking and living in the dominion of Jesus. I pray you understand the fullness of what God made available to you. And all your faith gives you access to. God, we thank you and we praise you. We seal your word in our spirits today. We'll carry it with us. We'll meditate on it. We'll think on it. And we'll live in the blessing of it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, before you leave today, before you leave today, <clears throat> thanks for your patience with all the remodeling. <clears throat> we had to take some of the wall stuff down and re-engineer it, and we're going to be back up, hopefully, hopefully done uh, with this part next week. Got a, got a few more things to do. And then we're going to be working on bathrooms and working on, you know, the rest of the church. And it's a marvelous opportunity. It's an opportunistic time to sow into the kingdom of God. Because if you sow in this season, everything you sow is going to be used towards beautifying and enhancing the house of God. And when you give to God's house, special things, especially when you give to beautifying and remodeling God's house, special things supernaturally are released in your life. It's a biblical principle. And uh, I want to challenge 40 people that are sensitive to what we're doing. I, if, you're, if you're in my mantle group and you were here this morning, you'll notice I, I didn't give you a challenge this morning just because I, I wanted to wait and, and minister before I did. But I, just 40 of you could help us out with the budget for, for this. We're starting bathrooms soon and got a lot of paint, a lot of material, a lot of tile, a lot of construction, a lot of stuff to get. If I could get 40 of you to partner with me for, with $150 seed, it would fuel the continued work that we're doing. And uh, if you want to give and you have a heart to give today, and if God has blessed you to be able to give, consider partnering with me with that seed. If you haven't tried text to give, it's it's an awesome way to give and so into the kingdom of God. But but 40 of you, if you'd consider partnering with me with a $150 seed, if the Lord leads you, if, if, if you feel a peace about it, if you feel agreement in your spirit, I just, I, I pray that the Holy Spirit would minister to you on what to do. If, uh, if you can't give that, if you could give $75, if you could give $75, help us with this. It would be a blessing. I know God, I know God will bring a harvest to that and bring a recompense on your sowing. If you're watching me online, you can either text to give on the number that's on the screen, 77977. Just text CWMSA to 77977, and you can give that way. You can give them online as well. Or if you're in the building, you can give through your phone or through an envelope. But may the blessing of the Lord rain on your seed. May God honor the seed you sow into his kingdom today. May he strengthen you. May you be filled with faith and power as you go forth into your week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can come and give. Thank you so much for partnering with us as we do the work of the Lord. God bless you online. We love you so much. We're praying for you.